on this episode of Telling the Odds, Anakin Ahsoka, both in the Kenobi series, the fandom urges to release the Lucas cut of Revenge of the Sith, we review Clone Wars Season 7 and a hopeful solo sequel, all that and more coming up now. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Telling the Odds Podcast. How are you going Michael? Yeah, going good. Ready for the next episode. <laughs> it. It, it seems as though we've been on here for years with a whole two episodes. For sure. We've well, this is our second episode. Past point. Well, it's to be fair, even though the podcast is new, our Star Wars conversations certainly aren't. Yeah. Um, how's your week been? Yeah, good. Had a lot of, lot of fun preparing for this episode. Mm-hmm. Should be good to go. Um, yeah, Star Wars is it's just a fun experience overall. It is, yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, it was actually uh, uh, my birthday two days ago. and it's my, big boy now. And uh, Michael was uh, at a surprise party you guys yes. threw for me, which is uh, very nice of you guys. And oh. uh, at that time, we got to talking about what episode two was going to be like. So, yep, prepping um, during the week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so we've got a lot to uh, get into today because a lot has been happening in terms of not like a lot of solid news, but a lot of stuff that's just been percolating Events on. Events and little teasers for things to come. Yeah, so uh, you want to hop right, in, hop right into it? This is Star Wars news. What do we got first? Uh, well, first up for our Star Wars news section was uh, Anakin and Ahsoka possibly appearing in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Um... Anakin is a little interesting because very clearly at that time... I mean, Darth Vader. Very dead. Oh, Anakin is dead. Darth Vader. Okay, so, you, yeah. so Anakin appearing. Yeah, I... Look, I, the way I would have it, if you were going to have Anakin in a Kenobi series, yeah. um, you know how sometimes in film and television they have basically memories? Yes. So I, what I'm thinking, if I was going to have... Uh, ah. if I was gonna, yeah, see? If I was okay. going to have Anakin in the Kenobi series, I would have him in the Kenobi series in the same way that, Sol, that Han Solo was in Rise of Skywalker. He, yes. he is a fragment of Kenobi's mind and he okay. sort of talks to him or, you know, in that way talks to himself because he is a memory and he tries to make peace with what he thinks of as his failure. Right. Right? I obviously am not in charge. Kathleen Kennedy is and they're going to make what decisions they want. But if I was putting Anakin in the Kenobi series, that's how I would... Uh, I think that would be a fun way to put him in and it's a great way to bring Hayden Christensen back. I think that works. I mean, personally, I think maybe you could do it through like flashbacks to like possibly even scenes of like Clone Wars or like times around that time but yeah. recreated in live action yeah. like that could be a lot of fun because when you see like Google images or sometimes I see them on uh, Star Wars forums on Facebook when you see Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor dressed up in the clothes that you mm. saw Anakin and Obi-Wan in yeah. in the Clone Wars series like you know that that plating around their necks yeah the, and the Ob- clone armor on the Jedi robes yes yeah. if I were to see Ewan McGregor or Hayden Christensen in that get up that, that would be, be a very, really really cool be thing very exciting because it's sort of the same it's, it, it's sort of like how you saw the Super battle droids in the Mandalorian mm. you hadn't seen them in live action since oh that, since, since Attack of the Clones that was one of my favourite parts of that show yeah me exactly. too exactly um, so, so in terms of having Anakin on the Kenobi series do you mean so uh, oh sorry yeah, Anakin. yeah. Yep, yep. in terms of having Anakin on the Kenobi series uh, I think it could work I just wouldn't want it to overshadow the things that they would be doing otherwise because I think right. the best part about the Mandalorian or at least for season one I can't speak for season two given some of the news that's coming out on that but yeah. um, the best part about the Mandalorian was that there were all these new characters yeah right? I they're, agree yeah, yeah they're getting to know all these cool new characters and as we know Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau mm. it's like they're just clashing their toys together they just love to make you yeah. know, new characters that we can get to know like Cara Dune Grief yes. Tiger IG-11 like mm. you were talking about him last week uh, so 
I think the Kenobi series would be a great chance to introduce new people and how they would have a relationship with a past Jedi. I do think that's right. And, like, they certainly do want new characters. But Mandalorian was very much, like, its own thing. Like, it's after Return of the Jedi when, like, nothing's set. It's, like, the scum and villainy of the universe with the Mandalorian, a new character we've never had. And so it made a lot of sense for to have so many new characters in that. Whereas Kenobi not only is, like, pretty much the most developed character in all of Star Wars, but it's right in the middle of where we know pretty much all Star Wars to be. Yeah. Like, between the two biggest things. And so I think it would... It would make a lot of... If any show would have old characters or people that they knew in the past to have characters show back up, it would be Kenobi. You know, yeah, I, I, I do agree. Because in the context of Kenobi's life and where he is at that point when he's he's retreated to Tatooine to find solace from the war, yeah. I think that it would make sense that things from his past would haunt him and come back yeah, and, exactly. and, and would still be a big part of his I life. I mean, it's already been proven that it has with Maul. And so yeah. if, if there's more that happened, just like a weekly show, like, oh, who's going to come from my past to attack me this time, this yeah. week? Um, so yeah, that's uh, the possibility of Anakin showing up. We also yes. have possible news of Ahsoka being in the Kenobi right. series as well. So Ahsoka at that time, uh, well, we'll get to season seven, but like post season seven, she had... Uh, she's faked her death. She faked her death. She escaped from the clones. Uh, I think in the novel, the book series, she made some more lightsabers and stuff. But yeah. then by Rebels, she'd like been working secretly for the Rebel Alliance. So, yes. well, because at, at the, when you see her in Rebels, she's Fulcrum, right? right? And she's and she's working as this sort of, like you said, a subsidiary of the Rebel Alliance, that's mm. doing uh, the rebellion's work from uh, behind the scenes, essentially behind the curtain. Exactly. Uh, so I think that it would be interesting if. Kenobi and, and Ahsoka's paths met up again if she is already doing that yes. or if maybe at this point she is still in that sort of gap between Clone Wars and being um, uh, you know a member of Fulcrum that uh, she's sort of just like in that place where she doesn't know what to do with herself yeah. um, which I think would be interesting because I mean she might not even have lightsabers at that point because um, um, yeah I, I haven't read the Ahsoka book so I'm not sure the exact timeline yeah um, because, or even when the exact timeline of Kenobi is yeah no I, they haven't established when Kenobi is going to take place yeah um, just I would, between yeah yeah if it's going to be Ewan McGregor of course I don't think it would be set too long after Revenge of the Sith I wouldn't mm. want it to be set too long after Revenge of the Sith but the thing is because he's there for 19 years yeah you have a chance to over the course of hopefully what would be a couple of seasons to show him throughout the years do a solo yeah essentially yeah um, All of his greatest hits. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, basically, what happens with Ahsoka's lightsabers is obviously she loses uh, the green ones when she is a fugitive, then she yes. loses the blue ones at the clone, in the Clone Wars, and then she gets her white ones because she uh, takes the uh, lightsaber crystals of the Seventh Sister Inquisitor. That is correct, yeah. And she basically reverses the bleeding process and purifies makes them, them. Yeah, exactly. Purifies the crystals and makes them white, and that's how she has her, her lightsabers in Rebels. So. Maybe we get to see that ser- see that process. I don't know because the good thing about a Kenobi series is that that was the height of the 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 part of the timeline basically where Palpatine was sending out his Inquisitors and yep. Vader to hunt down Jedi. Oh, we could see a live action Inquisitor. That was cool. I did see a fun thing where That'd not awesome. this is not like the other ones are rumors. This is just a fan like cool th- thing that would be a cool casting. How good would uh, Jason Isaacs be as the first Inquisitor? Oh yeah, I love Jason Isaacs. He's been in such. A lot of good stuff. I think um, on Instagram he was like, "Yeah, that'd be a cool thing to do." But yeah, but. no, because uh, I was re- I, I remember hearing an interview with him a while ago when he mm. was doing. I can't remember what film it was for, but he was talking about the fact that he would like to be in Star Wars. So that would be a great, great idea. Because, like, I mean, the Malfoy energy of, and like the yeah like the posh British. Exactly. For those of you who don't know, Jason Isaacs is basically the guy who played Lucius Malfoy in 
in the Harry Potter films, yes. and he's been in a lot of other cool stuff, and he's a great... He's in the Star Trek Discovery one. Star Trek Discovery. He's in the Peter Pan that's what, he was at, that's what he was interviewing for. Uh, yes. He was there for Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, I think that would be an, an interesting idea. So yeah, Anakin, Ahsoka, both showing up in Kenobi. Not separately, of course. Mm. Uh, sorry, separately, is what I said the first time. Um, yes. Yeah, so that is our first bit of news, Michael. What do we got next? Uh, some hashtags trending. So, some hashtags. first up, you got the Make Solo 2 Happen hashtag. Now, I think it's very clear why these yes. trending hashtags are, are happening right now. Very uh, uh, hopeful fans after seeing the success of the hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Exactly. Seeing as we now have an official release date for the Snyder Cut of Justice League, it's almost like... The, it's <laughs> I all... still haven't seen the original Justice League. <laughs> uh, you know how in the first official trailer for The Force Awakens, you hear Luke say, you have that power too, yeah. right? Uh, I, I, yes. I think that's what, like... The Star Wars fandom is like, the DC fans got what they wanted, yep. we can do it too, because God knows Star Wars fans... I mean, God, are... they worked for it. Like, they've been saying release the Snyder Cut for years. It, I know. I Liter- think literally since 2017 when it first came out. the biggest, like, hashtag that DC's ever had for a film and yeah. it never even came out. Or, like, it hadn't been released or something. Yeah, so that's where the hashtag itself is coming from. In terms of its legitimacy, when I heard it, I was like... Really? Yeah, like Solo 2? Solo? That's the one you want the sequel for? Like, you know... I mean, in one sense, it's an unfinished, like, series. Like, they were plans to continue it. Yeah, I mean, look, I enjoyed Solo. It's not my favourite, but I I, I still like what they... What they... What they did, essentially, Mm -hmm. in the film, and how they uh, plant the seeds of rebellion towards the end, as well as just consolidating what Han Solo was like in his earlier years and how he um, became the guy that we see in A New Hope. But the thing is... The things that I would want to see in a solo sequel have nothing, have nothing to do with Han Solo. Yeah. If I yeah. want to see a solo sequel, I want to see where that Kira and Maul thing goes. Yeah, that's one thing. And I think that's what they were planning on doing. Yeah. Just, for me, Solo felt like such uh, a film made by executives at Lucasfilm. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. It, I mean, I was very excited originally when it was um, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Just, like, all we were hearing about yeah. it and, like having, like, Donald Glover be there, just, like, these great comedic people. Yeah. Uh, and then it just all fell apart. They brought in... Um, Ron Howard? Ron Howard. And it just felt like, well, we need to make this film. Uh, what, are the, what do the people want? They want the greatest hits of Solo. They want him meeting Chewbacca. They want him getting his blaster. They want him getting the Millennium Falcon uh, and just add a story and all that. And it exactly. Didn't, it didn't feel like it had a vision. It felt like it was made by a list. To this things. day, I really can't understand why Lord Miller were taken off the project I understand maybe they were I felt like, like they I, I think that Lucasfilm felt like they didn't have enough control like they were like like going too far away from it and they yeah. if there's one thing that Lucasfilm has been doing with this Star Wars thing it's been pretty tightly controlling things up until Rise of Skywalker I think they kind of were I feel like they were pretty loose on like what was allowed and what wasn't allowed especially canon wise in that film Maybe Last Jedi a bit as well. Well, because when they made when when Last Jedi came out, it's very public knowledge that Ryan Johnson was given creative freedom to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Right. So I can understand maybe Lucasfilm trusted Ryan Johnson to make the film a little bit more than maybe they trusted Lord Miller given Ryan Johnson's uh, filmography. Yeah. But you know, it's not like Lord Miller have made crap films in the past. They've made. Have you seen the Lego excellent Movie? Excellent films. Lego Movie is legitimately a great film. Yeah, uh, and, and it's not just you know because it's animation. The writing is 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 mm. great too. And if you were to transfer that to a franchise like Star Wars, yeah. Because the thing is, you want they pas- are comedically very talented. And yeah. There's one thing we definitely we've never had, which is a fully comedy Star Wars film. Yes. Which, in one sense, I think. 
you don't want it to be like exclusively comedy. Yeah. Like to the point where it's like doesn't really fit with law. Like there are some. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. We're going a bit obscure here. There was some like a. Uh, prototypes for like a tv show called star wars detours i think which star was like, detours yeah which was like some uh a comedy star wars cartoon made by uh i can't remember specific i think it was i think the people who made robot chicken uh but it was okay. just very goofy I'll, have to, I'll show you afterwards it's very goofy and just really not appealing and so and then that just never happened Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think people might have been afraid, like, Lucasfilm might have been afraid that if it was just too goofy, they might not take it seriously as a Star Wars film. But certainly, having comedy as a main, like, focus, as opposed to, like, drama, or, like, like uh, epic scale, or, like, adventure, or whatever, like, that wouldn't be necessarily an inherently bad idea for a Star Wars film. It'd certainly no. be a new idea for a Star Wars film. I feel like Solo, if you are going to pick one of the films that you were going to focus on comedically, it probably would be Solo. Yes. Not to make it, like, a full-on, like, you know, co- uh, comedy festival, <laughs> but if you were to take the idea of a young Han Solo who doesn't take a lot seriously and is a lot more quippy than usual, his exactly. interactions with Chewie or, you know, his, his early relationship with Lando, there, sure. are, there are opportunities for a lot of, well, fun and games, really. I mean, that's, and that's also not a bad thing because Lord and Miller have shown that they can instill a lot of laughs and a lot of um, uh, fun into a film while also making it incredibly uh, impactful. And that is completely exemplified in the film that they ended up doing. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. They left Lord and Miller. Mm. They, 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 they left them by the waistline. They wanted Ron Howard instead. Yeah. What what happened instead, Michael? Lord and Miller went on to make Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. An Academy Award winning film I mean, in the same year. Probably one of the greatest animated films of the most recent decade. It is, it's the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, best Spider-Man film, for sure. And nothing uh, encapsulates an ability to make something really fun, really enjoyable, while also making it incredibly heartfelt and impactful like Spider-Verse was. Going back to the hashtag Solo 2, uh, make Solo 2 happen, I think, personally, like, I don't really care. I'll probably see the film regardless, but I would really... If it does happen. I would be most interested if they were to get Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Like, that would probably be... That would legitimately make me excited again. But then they'd probably just get rid of them, like, when it's, like, 90% done and bring in Ron Howard again. Well, because I I wouldn't really want to see a solo sequel as much as I would, like, give me a... Like, give me a crime boss film. Yeah. Give me something about Maul and how he... a Java backstory. And how he sort of tried to re-establish the, uh, Mm. you know, the Crimson Dawn. And we don't have enough Maul already. so, So what if he's appeared in, like... Almost every Star Wars like trilogy or like TV show. Or... Well, it's clear that Ray Park is still confident in playing more because mm. not only did he provide the lightsaber um, um, motion capture for Clone Wars season seven, but he's in Solo, mm. and you get him and the amazing voice work of Sam Witwer and poor Peter Serafinowicz. Uh, uh, <laughs> have you seen the interview? I haven't. No. Okay, so. So he voiced Peter Serafin Rich, uh, I think that's his name. Peter Serafin Rich? Yeah, voiced him in Phantom Menace. Um, yes. And so they originally contacted him to reappear in Solo. Uh-huh. Uh, and he voiced everything. Uh, and so he expected to be in it. Yeah. But then when the film came out, really? he was dubbed. Yeah. They, by by they, Sam Whitworth. They replaced him with Sam Whitworth. Oh, but he, he didn't know. He got David Proust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David Prowse's voice was replaced with James Earl Jones for Vader. Oh, go back. If you haven't seen it, watch the original uh, audio of, of Darth Vader. It's the part where he's choking out uh, Captain Antilles on the, on, on a, in the very opening parts of what? Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, find the passengers of this vessel. I want them alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, very good. 
Yes. So yeah, that's our opinion on solo sequel. It's sort yes. of a mixed bag for us. But anyway, yeah. this is sort of a, a, a larger topic before we get into Clone Wars Season 7. Michael, what are we talking about now? Uh, the other uh, hashtag that's been spurred on is the hashtag release the Revenge of the Sith four hour cuts. So for those of you who don't know, Revenge of the Sith was originally over four hours long. Uh, yeah, and there were a lot of scenes that we're going to go through now and we're going to talk about their legitimacy in terms of yep. whether or not they should have been in the movie, whether or not you'd actually want to see them. So the first one, it's fascinating to say the least. Fascinating. Because the first scene has... Uh, actually, a lot of the deleted scenes actually come from the first sequence when Anakin and Obi-Wan are still on Grievous's ship. Yeah, I think and so. And one of the very many deleted scenes, and I'm not sure if you guys have seen... But it's it. But it involves their communicator breaking down. They can't hear yes. what R two is saying. Like you know, he, they they've lost their directions to where Chancellor is. So, Anakin says, "I can't hear what he's saying." Do you think beep boop boop is up or down? <laughs> but it's all right. Uh, we, we've seen the delayed scene. This one is online. Yes. But it's not simply him going beep boop boop. It's him going beep, and then the sound effect of R two as if it's seeming seamlessly coming out of his voice. It's as if he has like a droid. Like, you know those things yeah. that uh, that Obi-Wan had yeah, to like swallow? Yeah, like a voice he, modulator or something. Yeah. A voice modulator, like, you know, that thing that Obi-Wan had to swallow when he was Rekko Hardy. Yeah, it's yeah. as if he has that in his mouth, and he's literally... Because like, they're not just... It's not just him saying, beep, boop, bop, boop, beep, right? Right. It's him making astromech sounds that are coming out of his mouth. And... Yeah. Is that just a power that Jedi have? Who knows? Anyway, that's that scene. Uh, the, next, <laughs> yeah. the next one it's very funny. is... I mean, it's a, it's a shorter scene, and this happens later what? on in the film anyway. Is it mostly just lots of, like, deleted scenes? Like, did they really remove anything big, like, plot-wise? We'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get, to, we'll to, get that. to that. Uh, so, the next one is basically Shakti's death. Yes, I do. I do know this one. One of a billion of her deaths. She yes. dies, like, 60 times in she has, so yeah. many different pieces of material. Because there's literally the another ones. deleted scene where she dies later, and Anakin kills her in the temple. But uh, yep. the one we're going to talk about is when Grievous kills her, when they're still on the ship. <laughs> I would love it if they released the four-hour cut, no changes, and just have both of those scenes in it. Have Shakti die <laughs> yeah, 50 times. I feel so bad for Shakti. The four-hour cut died... is just all the times Shakti dies in the film. <laughs> it's just like 50 scenes. She dies at the start. She dies at the end. She dies in Clone Wars. Yep. She, you see the vision of Anakin killing yes, her, like do. a lightsaber through the neck. Yep. You see her in a cutscene of the original Star Wars Revenge of the Sith yes, game, yep. in a cutscene where Anakin kills her. Yeah. Right? And she's. She, I, I think I she believe, dies in Legends as well. I believe she dies a couple times in Legends. God knows yeah. how many times in the comics. I, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, justice for Shark T, I suppose, but <laughs> uh, that's one of the scenes. It's basically just. It's like. Just being I mean, like, it would do well to show how ruthless Grievous was. That's true. Because at that yeah, point, we didn't have Clone Wars yet. So. With, yeah, without having seen Clone Wars. I mean, there was, at the time of Revenge of the Sith, uh, Clone Wars, not the Clone Wars, which, yeah. where he was pretty brutal on that. But, I mean, that's no longer canon. So, without the Clone Wars, Grievous is just kind of... He's a bit goofy, really. Yeah. Basically, what we're doing is we're really just showing that, you know, a four-hour cut would be cool. I'm sure it would create a lot more prequel memes for people, to, for, for people to rip apart but you know a lot of this has just got to do with the whole you know Snyder Cut being released fandom sort of thing right I, I guess you know what I mean now the next part is actually sort of more fascinating in that it sort of goes into Anakin's parentage yes you know obviously as you know there was no father it was almost like you know Shmi was impregnated by the force yeah whatever and <laughs> yes it actually goes into how Palpatine did this 
essentially. Ah, like and it, and it, not just hinted through Plague, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, the good thing about the way that it is in the film is that there's a good sense of ambiguity because Chancellor Palpatine, obviously, when they have that scene at the, uh, the opera, the space opera, with the giant bubbles, uh, you know, he says, you know, he had the power to create life and that got you thinking, okay, so that's probably where Anakin's conception came from, right? But now they actually give a solid reason, and they would have if this had ended up in the cut, right. about the fact that Chancellor Palpatine did this. And yeah, they, it's, and, yeah, it's it's heavily implied that he created Anakin. Well, here's the thing. I always thought it would have been Plagueis over, over Palpatine. Right, well, I don't, I don't know. it's implied that he taught his, his apprentice. Everything he knew, right, yeah. yeah. So, um, it sort of works either way. I just don't... I don't know. I, I guess I sort of just liked the idea of Plagueis doing it instead of Palpatine, but both right. work. And this and the level of ambiguity we got towards the whole subject works in Revenge of the Sith, which is why this thorough explanation I don't think would have worked mm. because it's very on the nose, I believe. And this is the like this is literally the line that was in the script. I arranged your conception. I used the power of the Force to will the Medichlorians to start the cell divisions that created you. When you clear your mind, you will sense the truth. I'm basically a father to you or, and stuff like that. Now, not only is that a lot of words, <laughs> it's a lot of words and uh, it's probably for the best, you know, script-wise that that was cut, but, you know, regardless, I think it really just boils down to it would have made it so uh, clear, but, like, you know, detrimentally clear. I think the level of ambiguity we got is, is good. Do you, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, the next big part, basically, and this is actually something that I would have liked to see yep. if you were to release a longer cut of Revenge of the Sith. It's, a, it's got a lot more to do with Kashyyyk mm. and what happened with Yoda. Because when you go back and watch Revenge of the Sith, you know, you obviously have to know where Yoda is and it's a nice way to bring Chewie into the prequels. What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? Droid attack on the Wookiees. Um, but a lot of ways, Kashyyyk feels like its own little thing that yeah. doesn't really have a lot of relevance it's just a way of it's mostly a way to get yoda to be right in the middle of the clones yes exactly i mean that's literally what it's for so that yoda can be present to the clones trying to kill him yeah so yoda can do a backflip uh yeah. but other than that you know the kashik battle doesn't have a lot of relevance so this extended uh, extended uh, sequence of kashik would have made a lot uh, of sense in my opinion because mm. you see yoda chewbacca and tarple um, and it, it's an, basically an extended battle, but also it has the Yo Yoda and a group of the Wookiees, including yep. Chewbacca, hiding from the clones yeah. and uh, trying to get off the planet, essentially. You also have... Uh, like the uh, level of Lego Star Wars. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. You also have that, uh, uh, like a larger sequence of uh, of Yoda riding on one of those insect-like creatures that are native to Kashyyyk. Yes. Which, you know, it would have been cool to see. It's would like... It's, it's a lot of cool scenes, but not necessary. Not necessary scenes. Yes, yeah, see, I think that. Sums I don't it up think perfectly. it would change the film drastically. No, I no, think I don't just think it add would. to the film. Because kind of like a Lord of the Rings extended. Edition. Yeah, exactly. Because the extended edition of of uh, Lord of the Rings, if you if you take those extended cuts into account, a lot of the extended scenes are there for the sake of oh, cool. That's a cool thing that we didn't see originally. Yeah. Right. The only real big change that was made because the original scene wasn't in there is when, you know, Saruman dies, Christopher Lee. Yes. Also Count Dooku. That's a fun link. Uh, yeah, so in a lot of ways, Revenge of the Sith has the same problem, is that a lot of these scenes are cool, they would have been nice to see, mm. but in terms of a film that coherently plays out, yeah. what we got, I think, is perfectly fine. Because yeah. Revenge of the Sith is a good movie. It's, uh, it's it's definitely by far the strongest out of the prequels. And I believe as so. an interesting, like, overall plot, especially to tie it into... 
uh, the original trilogy. I think it did an amazing job in that sense. Uh, there was also... Like the next thing is that there was also an extended Order 66 scene. Right. Where you get to see a lot more Jedi die. You get to see Barriss, Ophia, Luminara, and Dooley die, apparently. Ah, uh, which that's no longer canon. Exactly. So the good thing is about this scene not being in there is that... Well, it made way for Barasofi right. to be the enemy in Season 5 of Clone Wars, and it made way for Luminara Unduli to show up partially in Rebels, Rebels before yeah. she is found out to be dead, essentially. So Wait, wait, wait what was Barasofi in Clone Wars? Barasofi is the one who blew, blows up the temple. Oh, so, right, yes. You know, so she, she, she wouldn't have been, at that time, a good Jedi at the point of Revenge of the Sith, if, yeah. because she was in Clone Wars. I guess maybe, you know, because their idea of Order 66 was to wipe out any other force-sensitive users other than Palpatine and Vader. Yep. Because as you see in Clone Wars, they, they are about to execute Maul. Yeah. So it wasn't just restricted to the Jedi. It was anyone right. who could use so the Force. she probably would have been killed in the Jedi prison she was in. Exactly. Also. So whether or not she was being held in the temple, whether or not she was being held in the Coruscant prison, she would have died either way. Right. But it definitely has highlighted a point where this was made when Revenge of the Sith came out. And while it would be cool if Lucasfilm was to release the four-hour thing... It, they would probably have to make it non-canon. Yeah, they, they, well, they, 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 or they'd have to change it because there's there's too many conflictions. They'd be stuffing up the timeline, really, exactly. because at the time of Revenge of the Sith, this is 2005. Like you know, the idea of making Barrasofi a villain in season five wasn't even a thing. Yep. So back then, you would have had Barrasofi being a good Jedi, probably fighting alongside Luminara Unduli, and then being killed. Mm. So, you know, it, that scene as a whole wouldn't just just wouldn't work. But it wasn't just them. You get to see the other Jedi, and but I think the Order sixty six scene works as it is. You get enough. Just enough yep. to show you how big this is. Because mm. you get to see Plo Koon, you get to see Ayla Secura, you get to see uh, Obi-Wan sort of, Ki-Adi Mundi. So those are, the, those are sort of the bigger names that you know of. Yeah, so exactly. I, think, I think that works. Because if you get to see people like, I don't know. You start going to the obscure ones. Like exactly. The, they, they would have been like, hey, yeah. it's that <laughs> yeah. guy. She yaddles death or something. That'd be funny. No, not yaddle. Another scene has to do with Obi-Wan and Yoda uh, arriving back at the Jedi Temple when Obi-Wan reconfigures the transmission, With right? With the hidden secret Jedi that are clones. Yes. The clones disguise themselves as Jedi. It just feels a bit strange, because, like, how long are they going to convince them before either, one, they turn around, or two, they get sensed to be clearly not Jedi? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's that's just a very... Uh, a lot of effort to put in for a very quick... Uh, shown to be there, that it's a trap. This is Obi-Wan and Yoda you're talking about. Like, they're not going to be able to... They're going to be able to sense that they're not... Yeah, like, oh, yeah. there's someone who has strong feelings of, of like, wanting to kill. That's not a Jedi. And it's not like they don't know what the clones look like. Yeah, They've exactly. been fighting alongside them they for three years see their years face, that that's a clone. A lot of these things... And, and it just shows that, you know, this is this whole thing is literally just because of the Snyder Cut. There's no need for a four-hour cut. I think the thing is, is, like, a lot of these scenes, it wasn't originally, like, planned to be four-hour film like this in the sense of, like, they were always going to do that. Yeah. These were deleted scenes that were cut for reasons. Like, some of them less reasons than others, and some of them are still canon, but maybe just didn't work with the coherent flow of the film. But some of them just are, like deleted scenes that just didn't work with the film and so bringing them back could possibly I feel like it might just be a detracted film like not only do you have to sit through four hours which unless the film's really good that itself is a slog yeah uh, yeah. so it would probably just ruin the flow of the film if there was I, just, every I, scene's just lengthened out or I agree. added yeah. things in and uh, now we're getting towards the end here another scene involves Padme showing up at, uh, on Mustafar as you see but she basically brings a knife with her oh. intending to kill Anakin 
Now that would have that been that changes the motivation. It does, and it also would have been very derivative of what you saw of Padme originally, because she's just so up in arms and so smitten with Anakin the entire time. So to see her with a knife with an intent to kill her husband and father of her unborn children, yeah. it would have been almost too derivative for my taste. I think also because it's it's clear that she goes to visit Anakin because things are going bad and she needs answers and she needs to be comfort here with yeah. the comfort of to be with her. And that's what Obi-Wan uses, like, he slips in. And so, when Anakin believes, oh, you manipul- you betrayed me, you brought Obi-Wan here, he's wrong. And that's the idea, like, he that exactly. she wasn't there to betray him. It she works. was there, like, following him, like... It works as it is. Exactly. And so, if she was there to kill him, then Anakin would be proven right. Like, she did betray him. And that's not the point. Like, that, the whole point is he's... It's supposed to show Anakin has completely fallen away from who he was. Yeah. Like, exactly. that he can't even trust his wife. Whereas if they added in that he was trying to kill her... It makes Anakin right. Yeah, Anakin would be proven right, which is not a thing you really want to happen in a film where he's shown to be the villain. The whole thing where he where he screams, liar, and like, you know, you brought him here to kill me, and exactly. stuff like that. You know, the reason that scene is to work so well is because he's he is wrong, and that's exactly. not what Padme wants. If this scene is in there, he's made right, and I feel like it just has less weight as a result but yeah yeah, so the next scene basically has an extended version of Anakin and Obi-Wan's fight now this is one that I didn't even it it didn't get shot but it was just an idea that was almost made it basically has Anakin and Obi-Wan having to take a break from trying to kill each other and they they (laughs) sit down have a cup of tea (laughs) it basically has them fighting like a ginormous beast that's native to Mustafar oh I think I, I have heard of this yeah so you know it's a way of showing that they do sort of work, still work together well, but in the long term, they still have to do what ends up happening. It's just, it's kind of strange though, like, uh, at that point, Anakin is just completely blinded by rage, and so he is like, hates Obi-Wan, is like trying to kill him. Literally the only point where you see him is like, you know, he says, this is the end for you, my master, at the end, so he still sort of sees him as, yeah, yeah, he's gone, it's not Anakin Right. And, and Obi-Wan at that point has, has like, kind of seen himself as, as failed Anakin. As in, right. he, he was his job was to, like, protect him and, and, like, use him to bring order to the galaxy. Yeah. And, like, he's seen him as failed as turn. And so at that point, uh, Obi-Wan is... Uh, he's, he's determined to kill him, right? I mean, he doesn't end up doing it, but he thinks he has, right? Well, yeah. Cause, I mean, that's, that's another the thing. thing he, about he, the... like, removes his limbs and leaves him in the lava. But was he attempting to kill him? Well, this is actually something, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is the Kenobi series. Yes. Because at what point does Obi-Wan find out about Darth Vader? Right, because he clearly knows. Because let's, you know, just, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say that Obi-Wan thinks Anakin died, alright? He might sense it through the Force that he's alive, but that might actually be a cool thing that they could do in Kenobi, where he thinks he's dead, and then he Mm. gradually finds out that, that Vader is... Alive. Yes, and that's how Ahsoka and Rebels exactly. in the start was like feeling like, oh, this pilot that we're fighting against, something feels wrong. He can't, I'm getting visions of my master or feelings like that. And then in Twilight the Apprentice, they eventually confront each other. Because it's, it's an interesting dichotomy in that Ahsoka knows of Vader. She mm. doesn't know it's Anakin. Yes. Obi-Wan knows of Anakin's death, but he doesn't know of, but he doesn't know of uh, the... basically what we know as Vader at that point. Yeah. So... You know, it's an interesting sort of shift between the two and how they have both been kept in the dark but in yeah. different areas. Exactly. So that 
is this scene, and, and I don't think it would have worked mainly because it just it, it takes away from the flow of the fight. Yeah. The reason that fight works well is because it goes from you know the quarters on Mustafar, the separatist you know meeting place, and it goes out into the balcony, and then onto the lava lake, and then onto the uh, you know the, the yeah, famous high small, ground whole thing. You know, oh. hill. Yeah. Yeah. When when you said Obi not even and... a hill, uh, a slope. <laughs> I don't know. When when you said Obi Wan and Anakin working together, all I could think of was the Lego like, Star Wars episode uh, level of episode three with like. They're like fighting oh, each other. That like, was my. That back, was like my favorite. Yeah, Lego it's very episode. tricky. That, back sorry, and Lego. forth fighting, and then the suddenly inexplicably they just start helping each other to try and get out of the lava. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's all I can think. Now let's see. We're getting towards the end here. Oh, like I said, uh, this now. scene would have been kind of cool, okay. and I would have liked to see it. So this is one you would definitely think would have been good. I think it would have worked because it's it's not long. Okay. It's very short, and you could have just slipped it in for like three seconds, and it still would have worked. It's basically Anakin asking Obi-Wan to save him as he starts to burn. Because he, he goes, you know, he's supposed to say, save me, right? right. Save me, and then it goes he into... He says, I hate you. No, because save you comes before... Uh, save me comes before I hate you. Like, right, uh, like right. right before. Because save me, he says save me, and then Obi-Wan basically, you know, it's very hard for him. Say, like, you know, refuses or whatever. And then he says, I hate you. Seeing Obi-Wan have to directly refuse helping him mm-hmm. would have been an amazing thing to see from Ewan McGregor because obviously he's great as Obi-Wan. I think he would have handled that really well. Yeah. And it just adds a little bit more dimension to Anakin in that moment. Yeah. Because you're right, he is fully gone. He's dark, he's Vader, he wants to kill Obi-Wan. But at that point, he sort of reverts to the boy that he once knew and he's asking his master to help yeah. him. I think that would have worked quite well in my opinion. What I do you think? I think you don't want to fully commit him. Like, he needs to be, like fully committed to being Darth Vader and needs to be evil and everything. Yes. But he's he shouldn't be immune to any form of like light side or like mercy or something along those lines because I mean eventually that's brought out from Luke and only from Luke is that able to be is he able to be redeemed. Yes. But he can't I don't think he can be fully gone, especially because later you in certain things like a couple of novels and things, you do appear you do notice he has some slight hesitations and some slight um uh, things showing he's not fully removed Anakin and that part of his life. And so I think that does bring, like, so that he is at least to a small extent conflicted and, like, not fully gone. And that, finally, that is brought out through Luke. So I think that does work with it. Yeah, uh, I think, I, I, I do agree with you. I think it is good, uh, important to show that Luke was the person to do that instead of everyone. Yeah. Uh, I just would have liked it to see as, uh, like, you know, just a not just as a scene to put in there, mm. but it just adds a little bit more dimension to their fight and their relationship in yeah. that battle and where their heads, head, like you know, sorry, their mindsets are at in that point in time. Yeah. And the last thing basically has you know the part where Yoda is meditating and yes. Bail Organa comes in, Obi Wan Kenobi is here, you know, and then they bring Padme in. It's basically an extended scene where Yoda talks to Qui Gon Jinn. Ah, yes, I think I do know of this one. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with Yoda telling Obi Wan that if you go to Tatooine. They'll be training for you, you know, because Qui-Gon has returned from the netherworld of the Force, which is another cool thing that we might see in the Kenobi series. Yeah. I would love to see more 100%. of Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam, Liam Neeson could definitely come back. I think he would probably the one to make the most sense to come back out of pretty much every, exactly. other, every other character. I've heard, you know, Ahsoka, Anakin coming back in Kenobi series. I'm like, okay, sure. If I heard Liam Neeson was coming back, I'd be like, shit, that yeah. works well. That would be the best one, probably. Yeah, because, well... Obviously, at the time of Kenobi's death, you see him 
communion with the Force. So he obviously learned that from Qui-Gon at that point. For sure. So he learned it while he was on Tatooine. Plus, Liam Neeson has come back for things. I'm pretty sure he was in the Mortis arc. Of, he was. Of Clone he, Wars. He was in the Mortis arc, and he was also in that arc with uh, Yoda in Season 6. Yes. You know, when he, he, when he yes. first learns exactly. to transfer which, himself which into Yoda the Cosmic Force. Uh, I think that that... Uh, that, I do believe that is canon as well. I do believe that that arc itself is a way of substituting this which we did not see. Yeah. Because Qui-Gon, not only did Liam Neeson not actually record these lines that he would have had with Yoda in Revenge of the Sith, but it actually, you know, leaves a nice bit of, you know, like, like this gap that Clone Wars was able to fill. Yeah. So I, I feel like that if we were able to see the, the four-hour cut now, yeah. this scene would be irrelevant. Yeah. But if it was back in 2005, it would have been awesome. Would have uh, okay, well that is... Basically, the end yeah. of uh, of that. Basically, four hour cut. Brief thoughts. Yeah. Cool thing. It would. Yeah. Let's 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 leave it. Be. We'd love to see it. We're huge Star Wars fans. We'd love to see it. Is it necessary? No. Would it be a better film? No. Probably not. No. No. I think Revenge of the Sith is a really good movie as it is. Yeah. And I don't think it needs to be touched. Yeah. I think it works as it is. Uh, so basically, <laughs> if there's one thing we need, it's more Star Wars films being changed after the after the years they came out. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah! I legitimately love it every time we get a new uh, a new hope change. The the uh, McClunky <laughs> a couple about a year or so ago that was when very uh, good. when we're trying to see <laughs> stormtroopers talking to Luke and Obi Wan and just a massive dinosaur comes yes. through just oh. cause I would I would have, be so happy if they just gave George Lucas the rights to like just be able to make every couple of years <laughs> make another change to A New Hope until that film is just entirely covered with like CGI and like voiceovers and changes and edits. I mean, we, I'd want the original as well, but it would just be so funny just to see the extent that he goes. Uh, yeah, that would have been a lot. Just, just have a dinosaur in every scene. <laughs> New dinosaurs in every scene. Um, just have uh, the Django Fett voice actor replace every character. All the Stormtroopers' voices change. <laughs> we'll have um, Anakin, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ken Christensen voice every Darth Vader line. <laughs> just all these changes. Exactly. It'd be great. Uh, so yeah, that's our thoughts on the four-hour cut. Let's leave it be and, you know, the Snyder Cut can have its own thing. I think, yeah. Star uh, Wars, it's... Once it's done, it's good. Uh, don't need to don't need to change it up. Yeah. Now the last thing we're gonna go, we're gonna do today uh, because we don't want to make these episodes as long as our first. Yes. Because uh, understandably the first episode was kind of long because we were giving you an introduction to us. We're and... new to it, and you know we, we we talked a lot, and I think we had a lot of fun talking about what we did, but certainly did go quite long. I did. So let's get into a review for Clone Wars Season 7. Yes. I know we're a bit uh, late on this because it has been a while since it's, that happened. It's been about two or three weeks, I think. Well, I think the last episode premiered on May 4th. Yeah, so essentially we could uh, basically give our thoughts yep. on, the, so on the three arcs. Part review, part like analysis, part yeah. just our thoughts. Because I feel like that if we were going to a full analysis thing, we'd yeah. be here for a while. So Yeah, just a general overdue of probably the arcs. Briefly talk about each arc. So the first arc, Bad Batch. Le Bad Batch. Uh, I like this arc. What were your thoughts, Michael? Uh, yes, I think this was certainly one of the best to open with. Because the thing people love about Clone Wars is the clones and like their interaction with the Jedi and like all of the... the humanization we got of the clones in it. And so, yeah. not only seeing a unique side of the clones, but also having the story with Echo and with Rex and even Cody, which Cody hasn't really appeared as like a main character in Clone Wars. He's only ever like no. appeared in side things. But he's he only like, in like the first episode of this arc, but he yeah. still has a good... He's got some cool bits. Because we were talking about this 
last week briefly, I believe, yeah. how he sort of is used as a counterpoint to Rex a lot of the time. Because yeah, though they're, they have worked very together, different clones. Though they have worked together for years, they are incredibly different, Rex and mm-hmm. Cody. And I liked this arc a lot, mainly for Captain Rex, because it shows it that... It does show Captain Rex a lot. Uh, because of the way in which it showed him, not as a clone, but as a human being. Mm. Because he... He believes Echo is alive. A yeah. lot of them don't. And they obviously have that fight with uh, one of the members of the Bad Batch and yes. uh, that creates an interesting argument that he has that cool moment with Anakin where he says, I want to believe you, but you know, what do we do if we're, if we're wrong here? Yeah. And it actually makes... I can uh, That sort of thing that they did with Rex sets up what we see of him later in mm. the Order 66 arc is that he wants he's able to make his own choices and fight for what he wants. Yes. Yeah, so... He breaks out of his, like, indoctrination. He's his own independent clone. Now, uh, Rekka, basically, he's the Hulk of the Bad Batch. I liked him because not only... He he was basically a cool amalgamation of... You remember Hardcase? Yes. Hardcase who died on the Embara arc. He's he's basically (laughs) Hardcase on steroids, really. Yeah, the, the Bad Batch were certainly unique. I think... You could have a bit of a risk of them being like stereotypical, like, oh, he's the techie and he's the strong guy. But I feel like they were not only unique on their own, and but they had personalities and they worked well together. Like They, they each were, fulfill their role appropriately. They're, they're the offbeat clones. They're, they're the clones you need to do when you just got these, yep. these crazy tasks to do. Basically, the, the suicide squad of the clones. Yeah, um, and, you know, calling Bad Batch... Uh, Clone Force 99 yeah. was a nice was touch. A nice, that was a good call. Rest back. in peace, 99. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I think that arc works. I think it does. I think it's got that... some cool scenes. Uh, the sniper scene where he like throws all the things on the walls and it like bounces from like wall to wall. That was awesome. Very cool scene. And uh, that part in the very first episode of the arc where you get to see the Bad Batch take on that huge mm. battalion of clones in that big open field yep. and you get to see them say, okay, attack attack formation number yeah. 32 or whatever. They're, like, organised? They work uh, together? Because it's, it's clear that they have spent a lot of time together and they have this cool, coordinated, uh, you know, way of, you know, taking on the enemy, which is awesome. And the way in which they used parts of that huge Republic gunship as a shield. Yeah. and that was how very exciting. They were ba- basically, what they did is they had uh, one of the uh, members of the Bad Batch, I think it was uh, Tech, he throws the uh, droid popper yeah. into the sky and the sniper takes it out and it shoots just, it. Yep. just you know, yeah. deactivates hundreds of They've battle droids at a time. They've strategies for these unique situations. That and thing like, was that's just the point of the battle. Awesome back. in general. Also, right. because it's so late into the Clone War, yeah. uh, that you get to see how these clones have just pretty much have like been so long in the in the Clone War. So they know how to kill droids. They know how to fight. They're, they're like veterans, even though it's only been like I think it's only three or four years. Set over three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are veterans of this, and so especially the Bad Batch. This is their specialty. They specialise in this. Uh, another thing that happens in the second episode, and then after this we'll sort of get into yeah. uh, the next arc, is you yeah, get sure. to see a little bit more of Anakin and Padme. Yes, right? you do. And you get to see Rex knows. Rex knows, for Rex sure. Rex knows. Yeah. And it shows... Uh, uh, it builds out the relationship between Anakin and Rex, because he trusts him to know this sort they, of thing. Yeah, he does. Because, uh, you know, he's... he's general he's going to do what he commands of him and he if he needs to keep a secret even from obi-wan which you see him doing obi-wan clearly knows as well though well yeah i mean <laughs> i don't think he knows the extent of it I personally know th- I, I i believe that obi-wan knew from attack of the clones because he very clearly says like you can't uh if you go after Pad- padme now you'll be kicked from the jedi order yeah so he definitely knows that he's got feelings for him i mean 
Obi Wan went through the exact same thing with the Satine. with Satine, where he did. There's a bit of a, a fun little joke where it's like, uh, oh, you've got kids, huh? And then Anakin's like, oh, you can't talk. Duchess Satine definitely has a, a nephew that that has no relation or whatever. It's just, <laughs> just a, a nephew that shows up with no parents or whatever. Oh my god, I never even thought of yeah. that. Yep, because it's not Bo-Katan's son. No. No, and who who else is it? Just oh a nephew my, shows oh up. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> What's his name? Corgi. Ah, it, probably, Cor- yeah. Uh, I think like, it's Corgi, uh, the guy who shows up in... Uh, um, <laughs> like when, when Ahsoka goes yep. to train... Uh, like, you know, teach Mandalore, Mandalore school. Yep. And he shows up later in like season 5 when you get to see Maul take over Mandalore initially. He tries to break... Uh, Satine out of jail briefly, and that's basically what we get to see of him. But holy shit, is that Obi Wan's son? It's, it's not confirmed. L- we need an episode of the Jerry Springer show when Obi Wan's just on the "You are the father." <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just a fun little joke, though. But yeah, okay. I think I think it's very clear Obi Wan knows. And I, I think Re- Rex knows. Uh, I think Ahsoka knows because like yeah, at like you know you can't watch that last episode of season five. Yeah. I understand wanting to walk away from the order. I know, right? Yeah, you know. It's basically saying, good luck with Padme, Master. Uh, so that sort of is a whole little sidebar it's in that little arc itself. Uh, so I think overall, Bad Batch, uh, yeah. a, a, a good I'd arc. I'd say it was, a, it was a good arc. Echo was great when he reappeared, very spooky looking. Uh, I think we learned about Rex, we learned about the clones. And you get to see Jesse as an arc trooper for the first yeah. time. He was, And I love his design, because yeah. it's, it's not the traditional... Uh, uh, no, Arc Trooper exactly. design. It was yes, variation in the clones, which was very cool. So, yes, awesome. Bad Batch, I, yeah. And it sort of gets you thinking whether or not the Bad Batch or Echo obeyed Order 66. Because I actually yeah. noticed when I was rewatching uh, Clone Wars is that Wrecker has a huge scar like this thing that is just right. protruding from his from the left from his like left temple where the chip is known to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You, if you're going to see any more of uh, the clones in any way, maybe in a sequel series or a Rebel sequel series, I know yeah. that that was a thing. Maybe, but yeah, I don't know. So anyway, that's that's arc number one. Now, yep. the second arc with the Martez sisters. Yes, right? Martez sisters. Now, what, what did you think of this arc, Michael? I thought it was alright. It's very hard not to go into the whole thing and think it's fil- not think it's filler. You, they needed a way of... Consolidating Ahsoka as a citizen. Yeah. Right. And Ahsoka is great. Ahsoka, her. I, I believe so. Her, Ahsoka, her emotional experiences, her her con- confrontation of still wanting to believe in the Jedi Order even though she's left it. Like, she still holds Jedi, I- what she believes are Jedi ideals in a world which really does not encourage them. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like the best part about Ahsoka and the arc itself is that it showed. It basically, uh, you know shows more of what Ahsoka believed at the time that she left. Yeah. Which is the public's perception of the Jedi. Right. In that it is very divided. There's a lot of grey area in terms of the public's perception of the Jedi, and that is uh, really demonstrated when yeah. the Martez sisters talk about how their parents died. Yes. And um, basically, not that it was the Jedi's fault, but they basically caused it indirectly. Basically, they saw it as collateral damage and they had to keep going. Yeah. And they talk about how a... You know, obviously, because they're citizens, they don't know who it was. They mention that a female Jedi with green skin comes up to them. 100% Luminaro and Dooley. Yeah, I'm thinking... <laughs> that, is, that is definitely one thing she would say. Is She is uh, cold in her responses. Yes, I believe so. Is that, like, you know, the thing is that, you know, she comes in and says, you know, 
she doesn't really offer much encouragement other no. than the force will be with you. Yeah. And I believe that is very Luminara Unduli-ish. Yes, you, you know, you get to see some of that in season two of Clone Wars, but yeah. I, that, that's, that's beside the point. The, the, the thing that I'm trying to say is that it showed Ahsoka what she's yeah. believed for a while now in that Jedi see themselves as peacekeepers. Yeah. But they show all this peace that's not being kept. And, you know, it shows... Exactly why the Jedi had lost their way at the time of Order 66 and the, and the Jedi purges. So, for that reason, I liked this arc. The rest of the stuff in terms of, you know, them transporting Spice to the Pikes and yeah. stuff, that was fine. I didn't love the Marte sisters as characters. I found them kind of annoying. For me, it felt like the other half of, of Clone Wars. So, everyone loves the Clone Wars and they see it as like, oh, it was a great show. Yes. And certainly, there are lots of great parts. But for me especially earlier on, a lot of it's just very goofy and very, like, uh, kind of just, like, yeah. Goofy is the only word I could describe it. I completely it agree. You know, the, it's, it's sort of like those episodes in um, in Season 2. Yeah. In between, like, you know, their return to Geonosis and stuff like that. Yeah. Where you just had episodes that were sort of there. Yeah, they were just... These, it, these were episodes felt like that, that were just there. It, it, that's the easiest comparison that I can make to it. So I think that this arc, it was important for the overall thing. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the story of the arc itself, yeah. it did it did have its its dips. You get to see the Mandalorians yep, at, at, the, at the end. That was awesome. You get to see Maul. Mm -hmm. You get to see his influence in the crime syndicate exactly. of the galaxy, so you, which was cool. You learned that pretty early on. I do have a couple of quick things. So, yes. for one, uh, I think it's episode two in t or episode three. I, it, I think it's episode three. Of this arc? Yes, of this arc. Uh, it starts off with Clo with uh, Ahsoka uh, and the two sisters in a jail cell in the Pike area. Yes. In the Pike thing, uh, there is emotional growth in this episode. They experiencing uh, like they, they do that. They they try and break out and everything. But it starts with physically the characters in the exact same spot that the episode ends at. They start yes. in a jail cell and then they end in a jail cell. I I'd be curious how much of that episode would just be completely able to become skipped and you'd never notice. I really feel like... And this was sort of a thing where if you want to have four episode arcs instead of three, that's fine. Because, like, you know, as of, like, season three of Clone Wars, yeah. the arcs were still uh, three episodes long. And then you get into season four and season five, they start to get longer. I believe what you said is your favourite arc of Clone Wars, the Mon Cala arc, yeah. is the first arc of Clone Wars where, where they make it four episodes instead of three. Right. Not yeah, every... Probably. Not yeah, most of them are shorter. Not everyone is like that. I believe it's the Mon Cala one. I believe the Onderon one is four arcs. Yep. The, you know, Ahsoka Fugitive is four arcs. And is Ambara all... four arcs? Mm, uh, yes, yeah, I believe it is. it is. So they yeah, start... It's, to... Like, those ones which are a, a bigger story works. I think this one could have worked as three. Especially because they have two episodes where it's just a breakout attempt of them trying to, like, go on, like, these, like running around, dodging pikes, no one's getting shot, you know, like, these, it's these goofy kind yeah. of adventures with the sisters in Ahsoka. I would ask, Michael, would you have preferred four three-episode arcs or the three four-episode arcs that we have? I think the final arc, which we'll get to, perfect as four. I think Bad Batch worked well as four. Maybe it could have been shortened to three, but I don't think it needed to. This one I feel like could have been shortened to three. Personally, I feel like you make the first two three and make the last one longer. Yeah. Because you get you you just get to yeah. See. If we had a bit of longer of the Mandalore section, I think I feel like because the reason that we talk about the last arc as the Seizure Mandalore slash Order sixty six arc <laughs> is that they sacrifice a lot of the Seizure Mandalore stuff 
for the things that we see yeah. in Order 66. Which I'm sure we'll get to. But I yeah. Feel, uh, yeah, we'll get to that uh, right after this, but I feel like another episode in the last arc would have given us a chance to see the clones on the battlefield. Yeah. Because that entire thing happens while Maul and Ahsoka are fighting, and you get to see a little bit of it. You get to see yeah. the clones getting the citizens it out, of, out of the way. I feel like I would have liked to see a little bit more of maybe Captain Rex, the clones, fighting against uh, Gar Saxon and the rest of yep. Maul's Mandalorians. But that we'll get to that right after. So, overall... Just, yes. Oh, yes. Just yes. two things. One thing uh, that it did do, which was very good, it... Uh, we got Ben Quadraneros' species showing up. Yes. <laughs> we, uh, we, we talked about him <laughs> last week. You know, Ben Quadraneros showing up in uh, Phantom Menace. Yep. A poster of him in yep. Season 6 of Clone Wars. And now you get to see his species. Yeah, yeah. They're and like they a, were awesome. They were like a di- diamond-shaped uh, little creatures. They're very stout. They literally, uh, have a, they literally have a head for a body. They got little, little construction hats. So they were great. That's one thing. Interesting... Um, do like a little bit of research into it. These this episodes are like the, the lowest rated episodes of the entire series on like IMDb. I think is where they rank them. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that because I haven't actually had a look at a lot of the ratings and stuff. I've just watched them and sort of moved right. on. Right, which I don't agree with. Like there, are, I love Clone Wars. There are some poor Clone Wars episodes. These I, weren't the worst. I agree. I think Bad Batch is 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 Bad Batch is much better, and then the other ones are like insanely good. But Bad, Bad Batch is. Uh, you know, it's not up there, but it's definitely a lot better than what we got with uh, some of the earlier episodes right. of, of Clone Wars. And you, the they've Mar- seen Bombad Jedi, right? <laughs> oh my god, Bombad Jedi! <laughs> like it's fine. But... Jar Jar Binks is a Jedi, ladies and gentlemen. On, yeah. uh, on what is it? So, Rodia? look, while while they certainly were not as good as the other episodes in the season, and I think they had some flaws, they were fine. They they felt like filler in a series where, especially because this season was meant to be the finisher. And so Bad Batch was like finishing off the clones, showing the end of them, and like getting these characters which we were like we knew we were gonna get. The Mandalore one was the end of Ahsoka's arc and the whole Order sixty six. This felt like it was just build up to. I feel like what happened is they is Dave Filoni and the creative voices at you know Lucasfilm Animation what have you. They were like, okay, we really want to show Order sixty six in Clone Wars. Yeah. Right. They. It's almost as if that's all they wanted to do, and understandably that's all they wanted to do. I think that was definitely the best part and the most important part. Yeah. So. Basically, what they had to do is they were like, okay, we want to show this, but we can't just have it as its own little thing. We need to make it part of a season. Yeah. So they have to make two episode arc, two other arcs because they have to. One was really good. The other was fine, passable, okay. So I think that, you know, they work in terms of leading up to what we know yeah. is coming. And like I said, the things that you see of Rex in the first arc and the things you see of Ahsoka, yeah. they all... It's all lead up. It it's all lead up to what we know we're getting. So for I, that, yeah, so I for that works. reason, the existence of the arcs are valid. Yeah, they, they work. They work for the function of of setting up for the most important part of the season. Yep. And all right. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, we are going to get into the last arc, which yes. I, by no secret, last week said is my favorite arc of Clone Wars it, ever. It was. It was stunning. It was fantastic. I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. This is a great, I great think... way to sum up the Clone Wars as a yeah. whole. To show what happened to Ahsoka between what we saw last of her, which was season five, and then when you see her again in Rebels, yes. and you get to see more of Rex and and, and Ahsoka's relationship, mm. which makes their reunion, which makes their reunion in Clone Wars when they had that big hug on the ship in Rebels, that yeah, much more powerful. Exactly. And uh, well, yeah, I, I just, I just, I just really love this arc. It's yeah, it's very good. 
again, as, as we were saying, I think the only thing that I probably could say I would have preferred is if we had more of Mandalore, because... I believe so, Mandalore yeah. was summed up in two episodes. It was set up, first episode, with a little bit of an, uh, a breach of, of the attack on Mandalore, with then they encounter Maul. Second episode, fight with Maul, and, and then, like... They ba captured Mandalore. Basically, what you get to see of the Siege of Mandalore is Ahsoka and Rex landing in their gunships, yeah. and Ahsoka has that thing where she runs, she runs on the outside of the ship, she runs through the air, she flips, which was she, amazing. She flips onto that landing pad, and she has that moment where she fights the Mandalorians, and then she makes her way to exactly. the underground levels where she first meets Maul. What we saw of the Siege of Mandalore was not only amazing, but it felt so. It felt like the best parts of Clone Wars. Those scenes with the Jedi and the clones fighting. We got to see unique, like, the Mandalorians coming back, which were, like, great parts yeah. of Clone Wars. Interesting part. So, Gar Saxon was working for Death Watch, which was the Maul part of Death Watch. Yes. But the Maul part of Death Watch were against the Republic. Yeah. So, at what point... Because he was taken as a prisoner. He was, sure. yes. At what point? Well, he clearly did... doesn't die because, yeah, like, exactly, Ma he's in rebels. In, in um, in the last thing where you see, you know, he's being, oh, yeah. Lord, Lord Maul being overrun or whatever, and he's like, ah, yeah. oh, sorry, my shield will be here soon. Die well, Mandalorian. Exactly. Right? But he doesn't die. He's in rebels. So, at was... what point does he go from being a Republic prisoner to being the uh, Empire representative? Like, as much as like, I feel like that kind of was a bit poor because he's. He's the villain, right? He's the villain Mandalorian that they need to use. And he's very like, cool. Yeah, oh, I like him. He's yeah. fine. He's the villain in Rebels. And so they want a villain Mandalorian in the original, in in this episode. Yeah. So they think, oh, we'll use Gar Saxon. But the thing people don't necessarily need to keep in mind is the Separatists, well, not the Separatists, sorry, the Republic and the Empire are, like, derived from the same thing, clearly. So who are necessarily good guys and very loyal to the Republic in the Clone Wars, become villains and are loyal to the Empire mostly, not all, in original trilogy. I mean, uh, Wolf Yularen is an example. Wolf Yularen's a good guy in the Clone Wars and then becomes a villain in Rebels and original trilogy. He's you, you get to see him for like five minutes in right. New Hope. And so I feel like that was kind of poor because it doesn't... It, it's, it, it kind of... It's a very simplification of bad versus evil. As good versus evil in... In Star Wars, because it's like, oh, Gar Saxon's the evil Mandalorian, therefore he's always on the evil side. Although, there's more interesting pol political than them. I feel like Gar Saxon, especially if he worked so closely with the Empire, he would have been with the Republic, at least. Yeah, well, okay, first of all, amazing rant, Michael, well oh, done. sorry, yes. No, 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 don't <laughs> say sorry, I was like, take my hat off Th This you. is just uh, a little nitpick of some obscure thing. No, no, no I, I love your thoughts and how this connects to it, because... This is uh, the main reason why I would have why I would have maybe wanted another episode devoted to the last arc. If you were to take an episode off of the Martez arc and put it in this one, you get to see more of what happens in terms of Gar Saxon's transition yeah. being being captured. You get to see the clones on the ground. In... I, yeah, we should. We I, I think it would have been good to get more yeah. of that. Uh, so I loved the Siege of Mandalore section. I yes. think it could have been a bit longer, but otherwise, I think it was great. What we saw of it was great. Yeah, I just I'm, we're just saying we want more. Yeah, it was so good. We just want more of it. Yeah, but the Order sixty six section I think was perfect in length. Perfect. I didn't think that needed to be longer at any. No, no, no. I think it was. I think the Order sixty six and how it worked, the two episodes that it spread yes. across, works really well. You get to see. Not only does it connect directly with Revenge of the Sith, because yeah. you get to see, yeah. oh, sorry, not see, hear, you must choose, don't listen to him, Anakin, stuff yeah, like we that. Yeah, hear the, uh, I mean, you, we, you said last week how you, heard, you went at um, 
basically side by side. I watching. watched both simultaneously, and yeah. it works really, really well. And that's and, and it's a credit to the creative voices behind Clone Wars that they were able to take that into account. And this is why we need someone like that on the big table taking care of everything because they really actually care. That's yeah. another story. Um, Order 66 works great. The whole mm. thing with Fives is a grievance report where Rex tells Ahsoka yeah. to find Fives before he loses control. I think works really well. It is emotionally gut-wrenching. So is the last bit because the part where you get to see them fake their own deaths, she buries the clone troopers and stacks their helmets. Yeah. And she leaves her lightsaber behind, which is which is which is really cool. And also, sorry, I just yeah. want to sidetrack, go back to the last arc for a second. Yeah. That thing that happens when uh, the Mate sisters and Ahsoka are first leaving Coruscant. Yes. And you see, and they they talk to 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 Yaloran briefly, and you yes. see Anakin come in. You watch closely. That scene itself is literally scene for scene, or at least the way in which it's composed, is con- is identical to the part where Darth Vader also Anakin, technically, uh-huh. and Captain Piet in, Re- in Return of the Jedi are like, it's an older code, sir, but I checked out. I was just right. about to feel it. If you go back and watch it, they are literally in the exact same spot. It's they are back, in the yeah. set. Their, their, their bodies are literally in the same angle. It's angle, so yeah. perfect. And again, this is, it's a credit to how much love Dave Filoni has for Star Wars because he has these little things that yeah. he knows like the back of his hand like we do that he instills into these scenes, and that's what I like to see. Yes. And it's also a good way of showing how Anakin, you know, he senses the ship, and he doesn't find Ahsoka. It's a nice way of showing that Ahsoka, in a lot of ways, has cut herself off from the Force, willingly. Yeah. So I liked that. But anyway, getting back to Order 66, Captain Rex, I loved the way that he really got fleshed out yeah. as a human, not a clone, like he was in Bad Batch. More emotions in Captain Rex in that scene than pretty much. Oh, when he, cr- he cries twice. Yeah. And oh, God, it's just, oh gut-wrenching it's the other thing i wanted to bring up which was interesting is the way that ahsoka and rex as well treat the clones yes like they don't kill them they are very adamant about protecting them and like and like yeah like stopping them from killing themselves but uh like only at the end when it crashes do they end up dying which is just very different from every other jedi revenge of the Sith. 100 percent. because that when when i saw that i immediately thought of and i know and i think you know what i'm about to say here Obi-Wan and Yoda in Revenge of the Sith. When they return to the temple, they they are cutting down clones left and right. For sure. It basically is. I mean, uh, Keanu Monday in one sense is just trying to deflect himself and Ayla Secura doesn't have a chance. But Yoda, it's instant decapitation upon noticing He he torps his his lightsaber into its chest, climbs on him and rips it out. That's the thing. And so, on a cinematic and like in a viewer perspective, I understand it because... We have a connection to these clones. They have names in the uh, in the Clone Wars, and like we we've been with them through seven seasons. Uh, and in the movies, they're just the clones. They're like the extent expendable soldiers. But it just it it kind of has an interesting. I feel like I can you can read into it as a as, a, as like an in universe example of the way that Ahsoka is different to the Jedi. But I I think it's interesting though. Like Ahsoka is very clearly not a Jedi. Um, Not a Jedi at all. She's no. different in her behavior. In the sense, she's more empathetic than a lot of the Jedi are, who become warriors at that point. They, she, are, they As- are generals and warriors at that point in the film. The non-Jedi stance Ahsoka takes is what I see a Jedi as. Mm. If I had, you know, if I were allowed to, you know, sort of make my own idea of what the Jedi should be, yeah, it's Ahsoka. Yeah, it's Ahsoka in season seven because she says you're a good soldier, Rex. So is everyone down there. They may be willing to die, but I am not going to be the one who kills them. That's yeah. what she says. 
And that's just... I mean, it's one of the reasons why Ahsoka's one of my favourite characters in Clone Wars, <laughs> if not taking second place behind Fives. But, you know, mm. um, for that reason, yeah, Order 66 arc in Clone Wars was just really, really good. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think it was perfect send-off to the show, perfect send-off... Well, not send-off, technically, because we see Ahsoka later, but perfect send-off to Ahsoka's... Uh, Clone, War, Clone Wars Clone, Ahsoka. Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, perfect send-off to Rex and his, his growth. And um, I would love to see more yeah. of them in a sequel series, perhaps. Yes. But, you know, they've, there's been talks of that happening in Dave Filoni's, you know... I don't think it was anything right. too serious at this point. They were briefly mentioning doing either a Clone Wars sequel series right. or a Rebels sequel series. Personally, I'd like to see a Clone Wars sequel series between but the two. That's the but, thing, is I... I think while I was watching, especially Bad Batch and maybe a bit of Mandalore, I was so I was loving this show so much. I'm like, we only get one season of this. I want so many more seasons. Mm. By the end, I think this is done. This worked so well. Uh, Look, I, I say that I want it, <laughs> but if I it doesn't need to be, if I didn't get anything more of Clone Wars, yeah. I'm not gonna be you know season six. I'm not gonna go home and cry because you knew it wasn't complete. Yeah. There was that always like oh, it never finished. Like Disney bought it and it wasn't. It's just a bit sour. Now, yeah. it's perfect. I think it's it's done. I would not be adverse to them doing more Clone Wars episodes, but I think it would it would like you need to do it earlier on, like prequel things and like during yeah. earlier on in the Clone Wars. But it does absolutely not need to happen. Look, from the sound of it, we're going to get more of Ahsoka anyway in both Mandalorian and yeah, Kenobi. We'll, we'll so that's get more of the characters. Regardless. Maybe I would like to see because I've heard Tamara Morrison, who plays the live action version of the clones in episodes two and three of uh, you know Attack of yes. the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. You know, he said he would love to come back as the clones. So exactly. if you were to, I, you know, if you were to do something as like, you know, maybe another Disney Plus series where you see him as, I think something rumored like that in the Mandalorian, as Rex, Gregor, and Wolf, and how they sort of establish that a life for themselves yeah. after Clone Wars, that would be fantastic. I would love to see that. <laughs> but that's that's beside the point. That so is beside the point. But to, to close this yes. discussion, I think we should talk about the last uh, scene in the episode, which shows. Darth Vader. Yes. Uh, this scene was absolutely beautiful. Oh, because beautiful the, animation. Because not only is the animation some of the nicest, most perfect animation I've ever seen, and it hurts me that Rebels isn't animated this way. Um, which, which is, which <laughs> we'll is, get to Rebels sometime which in Which is podcast. fine, that's another story, I'm not yeah. going to get into that today. Yeah, that, we have mixed feelings about that. Oh, but God, can you just imagine what no. that would have been, what it would have been like beautiful. if that animation was in Rebels? Beautiful. Yeah. Obviously, Rebels came out years before this animation was possible, and now that we, you know... Because they... God, they created new technology for this for this season. Yeah. So it's all new, and you know it's no, it's not their fault really, but um, just the stunned silence. Nothing is said, and it's still so perfect. Anakin, which uh, sorry, not Anakin, Darth Vader, Darth Vader. picking up Ahsoka's lightsaber, basically mm. conceding that she is dead. Yeah. I like to think that that was the small inkling of Anakin that was left. Yeah. Just, just a brief snippet of. Yeah. yeah and yeah, after that, is. he was just finding out that Ahsoka, one of the like, shining lights in his life mm. had gone out, I think that was the last thing that was like, okay, Anakin's completely yeah, gone now. that was his last connection, because he hated the Jedi, because he, he, under his belief that they betrayed the uh, the, the, Pal the Palpatine or whatever, and yeah. and all that, and he hated most of them. Like, he was still loyal to Palpatine, but Ahsoka was outside of that bubble, so she, maybe perhaps in his mind, she could have been redeemable, similar to how, like, uh, how he was, like, trying to bring, like, Saying that, like, if you are not my ally, you're against me to everyone or whatever. Like, like, not necessarily inherently they're all bad, but they just chose to be on the wrong side. So he might have still believed in Ahsoka or something, but knowing she was dead, that was his last hope, his last connection to the world of Anakin. Gone. Yeah, and I feel like one of the most beautiful things that's ever happened in Clone Wars, maybe the nicest, like, looking shot 
ever yes. is the last shot when you get to see that downed clone trooper helmet with a Sokka's yeah. print still on it in the reflection of oh. the visor. You get to see Vader walking away. And it's, it's cracked. Yeah. It's so beautiful, Michael. Yes. Is that not only is it a nice looking thing, but it is a, it's, it's one big metaphor for mm. Clone Wars itself. It is a tragedy. The Clone Wars is a tragedy. Exactly. And that is perfectly summed up in this scene. It is perfectly summed up how Anakin feels about the Clone Wars itself. He's walking away. Yep. It's, a, it's a chapter in his life that he can't change and he has to live with it, which, you know, sort of gives a little bit more dimension to Vader's depression overall. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so I feel like Order 66, best arc of Clone Wars in my mm. opinion. And Clone Wars Season 7 as a whole... Yeah, was very good. Very good. I'm very happy with what we got. And uh, I'm excited to see more of Dave Filoni's creative brilliance mm. in Mandalorian Season 2. That's it, basically, isn't it, Michael? Yeah. Um, that's basically all we got to talk about today. And uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed. I like to think that we covered some pretty cool stuff, don't yeah. you reckon, Michael? Uh, yeah, so I, th I think we were uh, a lot more effective in how we were able to cover things here today, hopefully. So, um, but I, I think we had some good conversations um, about Season 7 and then... Uh, but definitely, I, I think I've got a good hope for Star Wars right now because Season 7, it, it felt like this was perfectly understood by Lucasfilm what the fans wanted. Yes. They loved Clone Wars. Well, the ones of us that did. Like, not everyone's seen Clone Wars, but the ones of us that did loved Clone Wars, wanted to see more... Uh, we got that exactly, and we're getting like more things in the future. And there's so much prequel, or at least that era and those characters' news coming out. And so that's really inspiring to me, like really hopeful to me. Of like, this is a Star Wars that I'm legitimately very excited and happy for. So I believe so too. It's no secret that in like 2017, 2018, Star Wars went through that 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 slump. Yeah. Where it was where we experienced a bit of Star Wars fatigue and it felt like nothing was nothing. It's very was... split fan base. Exactly. But now, thanks to shows like The Mandalorian, thanks to season seven, I like to think that the people behind these these things, yeah. you know, notably Dave Filoni among others, John Favreau, they are starting to be the louder creative voices in Star Wars, right, exactly. which I'm really excited to see of in the future. So in our opinion, Star Wars is great right now and it is on a very good uh, uh, path, I yeah, suppose. Never been a better time to be a Star Wars fan. I think so too. All right, Michael. Yeah. That's uh, that's it. You want to start wrapping up? Sure. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it when you guys do. Uh, so we're slowly going broadcast, uh, and so every listener matters to us. Um, we see you guys in the comments, uh, and we notice if you guys are listening. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we're incredibly grateful. Incredibly grateful. Uh, if you want to check us out, you can check us out on your uh, favorite podcast way to get us. So. Uh, please rate us, leave us a review, and subscribe as well. So we're uh, we're on eight different platforms when it comes to podcasts. So. Yes, uh, yeah. So speaking of podcast feeds, we're available on eight different versions of them. Like you said, Michael, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcasts, Pocket Casts, and uh, Radio Public. Obviously, that sounds like a <laughs> all bunch the podcasts of, under the sun. That sounds a lot of probably sounds like a bit of gibberish, but. All the links to those different platforms will be available in the description. Basically, when, whatever you're, wherever you normally are comfortable where you watch your podcast. Funny thing is, is that a good percentage of our viewers apparently come from Spotify. Which I think we'd expect. Like, that's probably the most common one. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the time Spotify is more popular than podcasts even. I, I use Spotify every day. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, on these platforms, please rate us, leave us a review, and uh, subscribe. That would be fantastic. Fun little extra thing. We're actually available on YouTube now, so... Uh, if you visit the Telling the Odds YouTube channel, you can actually listen and find us there. Uh, you should be able to, if you want, you can subscribe there, and so that way you won't miss the episodes. Um, the, the link, to, sorry, Michael, the link yeah. to uh, YouTube channel of Telling the Odds will also be available in the description. Mm. 
Yeah, and so, uh, finally, if you want to check out uh, our episodes or our social media things, uh, we've got links to the new episodes and recent updates on our podcast available on our social media. So we've got Facebook, uh, the Facebook page, we've got an Instagram now, and a Twitter as well. Yeah, uh, seeing as we've only gotten those, there aren't any new posts right now. Right. But uh, at the time of this episode being released, we'll most likely have yeah. uh, the thumbnail for this episode, whatever, as well as a link to all the places that you can, uh, that you can find it. Yeah. Uh, on your chosen site, be sure to follow us to stay up to date. Uh, shortcuts to all three of those social media pages are available in the description as well as the top of the page in uh, in our YouTube channel. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Because a lot of the time, YouTube is also more popular than podcasts. Yeah, I personally listen to most of my podcasts on YouTube, so... Yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah. be sure to stay tuned for next Sunday, where we will be discussing the week's worth of Star Wars news. Apparently, there's supposed to be an announcement for a new Star Wars game. Yeah, so we'll make sure to give you the information on that if that comes out. Yep, and uh, what else we got, Michael? Uh, so next week we're hopefully going to check out the documentary series talking about The Mandalorian, which I need to check out. But yeah, yeah the uh, the Disney Plus uh, gallery series on the documentary for, for The Mandalorian. There's eight episodes. I'm pretty sure the sixth or seventh one came out this morning. I'm loving this documentary series, and I'm sure you will too, Michael. And yeah. once it's done, we will get to uh, talk about it a bit more. Yeah, uh, until then, may the force be with you always. This has been Telling, Telling the Odds. odds.